0: Thank you guys for playing and taking care of announcements and singing. Hi to the rest of you. Good Good to see you all. Let's take our Bibles and turn this morning to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. As you're turning there, um, we'll kind of review for just a second on where we're at in the church, its beginnings. Um, It's been a busy time. Uh, The Feast of Pentecost began, literally, the church. Um, This is just a building when you're not here. When you're here, it's a church. It's a living, breathing organism, literally, that Jesus Christ paid for with His own blood. You're here because of Him. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, you're part of that church. That church started... Uh, way back, two thousand plus years ago, um, and it, as we're, we're going through, there's a lot of firsts, isn't there? Uh, Acts is that bridge work from, uh, literally, the Gospels to Romans. It's that bridge that puts reality in the beginning and the formation. If you if you would go from John to Romans, you would be lost. <laughs> it would be hard to fill in all the blanks. So we're looking at in the last in these the last couple of chapters, of which. There will be a continuation today is the first sermon that Peter preached. Uh, 3,000 men, just men, came to know Christ personally. It was the beginning. It was flourishing. And then there's another gathering, if you will. Peter gives another sermon, up to 5,000 men. We looked at that last week. Um, Satan is not going to take that lying down. This is a predicament that he's not interested in having any part of. After all, God is being glorified. We'll be looking at the church and what's happening there, but he's going to squash this if possible. So, the first and foremost is to take a position. Take a position against it. It's called persecution. We saw the first evidence of persecution in in chapter 4, and it's raging. It's still happening today across the world. M- mainly the oppression is coming from Muslim nations against Christianity. And it's, it's dire. It's not just a, a Facebook a turnoff or a social media. Uh, no, we're talking life and death. It's still going on. Uh, they were threatened. And guess what? The church flourishes. Well, he's going to take a different approach today. As we read this passage, keep in mind, we're going to move from external pressure to working on the innermost parts of what's going on. This is the first recorded sin within the church. We'll find it in chapter 5, but we want to pick up our reading in Acts chapter 4, which would be the last part of what took place in another round of people coming to Christ. Verse 32, chapter 4 of Acts, The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands, or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need." And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these things, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things." And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. It was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, "'Tell me whether you sold the land for so much?' And she said, "'Yes, for so much.' Then Peter said unto her, "'How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out.' And then fell, she, then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs, and wonders wrought among the people. They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, first, no man joined himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. May God add a special blessing to your reading of his word. And let's just pause for prayer prior to our study this morning. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your beauty and majesty that surrounds us and engulfs us in a God of creation. Father, we're here because we've wanted to be, to praise and to worship you and to lift you up. And Father, we think of those that have fallen. In previous years, and as serving all of the wars and those testing times, Father, that men and women gave their lives for their country, Father, we lift their families up today, those as we as they remember father it 's a time of sorrow, but father it 's once again it 's so much proof that freedom is not free, it costs a great level, and father. We think of that and we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, which purchased us, which paid for the price of our sin. Our freedom is not free. But, Father, you, through love, chose to accept us in him before the foundations of the world in Ephesians 1, verse 4. And, Father, we want to take this moment to thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Now, Father, as you go to the Word, we would ask that you would take our minds Our hearts take us just exactly where you want us to be as we yield to you and to the spirit who, Father, we ask would be exclusively our teacher. We circle in humility around you, our sovereign and holy God. We lift our voices to you in an adoration. We thank you and ask you to teach us in the spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Well, that passage of Scripture that I've read is somber. It's pretty direct. At first glance, which seemed pretty harsh. Because there's those of us who say, whoa, <laughs> that's pretty abrupt. That's pretty stout. Because we'd all have to say in honesty that obviously we've all sinned. This is the first evidence that is given in the book of Acts or the first the beginning of the church. Now, not to say that it's been sinless, obviously. There are sinners that got saved by Jesus, okay? And that sin continues. But this is the first one that's recorded for us. This is the one that had what we would think, certainly think dire con- uh, consequences. If this would have been continued to go on. Now, this is not a church discipline. This is a God's discipline. <laughs> he, he took the matters into His own hands. Well, we want to watch this take place. Now, we started off, and it's, very, it's a dichotomy, isn't it? It's amazing the difference in the attitudes of just in a few verses. We have the church that's responded now, literally, from Peter's sermon, more get saved. There's a multitude now. Um, if you remember, as looking in the temple, uh, how would you like to have been in Jerusalem? You've gathered for the, for the Feast of Pentecost. It's the first place the church began, obviously. And there's really nowhere to go home to. I'm convinced that part of this, you, you see a lot of people had sold their possessions. It's not, it's not a compulsory, it's, it's voluntary. It literally is. You make the choice to help the church, to care and share. They were reaching out. Why was that necessary? Well, I'm convinced that there are a lot of people gathered from literally across the known world that came to the Jewish feast of Pentecost that literally did not go home. This is where the church started. This is their place. This is their home now. Think of that. You don't have a home to go to. Uh, maybe not even a job, and maybe you had a job and you were fired because you took the wrong position on Jesus. Because I want you to do not lose the context of Acts, particularly the first chapters. This is the same place 60 days previous, not to the day, but by the month, that literally Jesus Christ was crucified outside the walls of that temple. He was not popular in Jerusalem. And now Peter is raising up Jesus as being The Christ. That to you, you can live with that if you're not a Jew. If you're a Jew and someone is in your, you tried on a Jew, why don't you go ahead and say Jesus is the Messiah? That'll bring it. And there's a day coming, though. Just as a parenthetically for just a second, there's a day coming. It's called the tribulation. And we're fast approaching from looking at technology and how we're moving. Revelation is vast and it's so bright right now. It's a bright star. It's coming. There will be a time when the church will be caught out, as it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. We will meet Jesus in the air. It's not the second coming. We meet Him in the air, which will bring in another dispensation, the great tribulation, the time of God working back with the Jews. See, they don't see Jesus as their Messiah. Peter's declared, and where did he do it? In the temple. Isn't that fantastic? Even after they crucified him, 60 days before, Peter is unloading and unleashing the resurrection of their Messiah, who they rejected and crucified as being that Messiah. He gave them first chance again. Isn't that great? That's a God of grace. But there's a day coming of which the Jewish nation, God's chosen people, they've not been displaced or set aside for the church, two very distinct organisms. Now, to get saved today, the Jews have to be in the church, Jews and Gentiles together, unified. In the Great Tribulation, God as a nation, they will, according to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, they will see Him, Jesus Christ, as their Messiah. And when they see Him as their, as their Messiah, as their Christ, literally, the second coming of Christ happens right then. Isn't that great? God's Word is not going to go unfinished. That's why I can trust it with so much, because so far everything has happened. You just take the, the predictions and the prophecies about Jesus Christ coming. They nails them all. The chance of it happening, folks, are insurmountable. I mean, it's, it's odds that are beyond belief, and it happened. That's why I'm convinced that the whole Bible will happen just as it says. That's confidence that I can stand before you today. But we're also here because God decided to start a church with Jesus Christ's own precious blood. You're here because of these events that happened literally in the scriptures. You're here today as a culmination of another, and by the way, it's not finished. If you're here and you're in God's kingdom, if you're I'm sorry, if you're in his church, you need to be doing your part as continuing as he's passed the baton to the apostles. He's literally you're part of that passing of the baton. There are many women, men, and children that do not know of Jesus Christ today in this nation, in this town that was based on this nation, founded by those men and women that shed their blood to gain freedom for us sitting here today. And there's people don't even know who Jesus is. God help us. God help us. Well, how did Satan's tool of persecution work? It worked beautifully for God's kingdom, right? Persecution today is the same. The more pressure you put on externally, the faster and the more pronounced the expansion is. In James chapter 1, I took you there last week, James 1.1, 1, 1, literally. It says to the tribes scattered across the world. You know how they got scattered? Persecution. God's work is being done, even in the face of Satan's weaponry. Persecution is one of those that he tried initially because it's the most blatant. It's the most obvious, shall we say. And I'd have to say it backfired big time. We talked about it last week for a moment, but there would have been the Supreme Court of Israel. They were called the Sanhedrin. There were 71 that served in inclusion of the high priest because he was the one, the presiding high priest. He would be the one to break a tie. But it was literally that Sanhedrin. Now, if Peter and John would have gotten up that morning that they went into the temple, and Laramie, well, I mean, could you just throw it up? It's easier for me to point to something that's there on the wall, if you don't <laughs> mind. I'm kind of a visual guy. If you haven't noticed that yet, I've got to have stuff in front of me. But at any rate, as they would have been gathered going daily to the temple, yeah, there it is, perfect. This little gate on our map, on our map number 11, is called the Beautiful Gate, and it's huge. I can't see because, I, again, I, not only has this been in my mind, it's got to be big in my mind to get it right. That gate, number 11 on the wall, is literally 75 feet high, 65 feet wide. was, I, sorry, past. This is no longer here, just as Jesus pronounced. When he was walking, he said, this, this place is going to be nothing, not even a stone on top of a stone. It happened in 70 A.D. The Romans came in and wiped this place out. That's 40 acres that you're looking at. It's a big field. No, I mean, it's a big building. It's a big place, right? It's a big... At any rate, on that day, as they were walking in, what would have you thought if the conversation would have been, you know what, later today, no, not later today, but tomorrow morning, you guys, Peter and John, are going to be having an opportunity to witness to the entire Sanhedrin. You're going to be able to tell them about Jesus. You're going to be able to tell them about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who they crucified outside of that wall 60 days ago. They would, have, they would have been laughed into scorn. You couldn't have gathered those people if you held them at gunpoint or sword point. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of guns back then. Amazing people still died then, too, didn't they? It's not a gun problem, it's a heart problem. Always has been, always will be. Cain killed Abel with what? Yeah, a heart problem. Same heart, by the way. They're the ones that have rejected the prophets. They have rejected Jesus Christ. All of that is a heart problem. It's a sin problem. It's the world's greatest need today is to conquer sin. And that's what Jesus came to do. But just think of it back to the meanwhile, back at the story, as they're gathering, the chances of that happening are zero. And guess what happened? Under the force and the guise of persecution, literally those two guys are in the inner sanctuary or the inner courtroom witnessing to the Sanhedrin. And you don't think there's a God? And they told him, don't you dare do that again. And then Peter says, help us, guys, help us. We're not sure. Would, should we obey God? Or should we obey you who doesn't believe that God sent Jesus? Oh, I think I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to keep preaching Jesus. See you later. Have a good day. Meanwhile, after that event, what's happening in the church? That's what verses 32 through the rest of the chapter are in chapter 4. They're on fire. Now, there's some things that happen when we have a spirit filled church, if you will. I'm going to take a few notes today, Lord willing. Spirit filled. Spirit, actually, that's going to be a problem. I've got it in the center, but we'll, we'll change it as we need to. Spirit filled. Um, how many of you are spirit filled today? Don't raise your hands, because it'll put you in an awkward position. How many are you supposed to be spirit filled today? You may raise your hand. <laughs> Thank you. Okay? Because we're asked to. It says to be filled with the Spirit. Right? And in, in the first part of Acts, we see that it's a continuum, isn't it? Peter is constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? because you want to be under the control. And by the way, if you're a Christian, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, your, temple, or your, I'm sorry, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. But there's some things that took place in this church that is Spirit-filled. We'll be looking at those as we go on today. Uh, and it's essentially evident also in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is amazing, isn't it? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance and faith. Against such there is no law. If you're in the Spirit, that's fruit that you can share with those around you. One of the things you'd have to say, let's go to our Scriptures now for a moment and let's unpack what's taking place. I'm going to go back one more verse, verse 31 we didn't read today, but this is after they had been let go by the Sanhedrin. And there's verses that start in verse 23. I'm just going to summarize at verse 31. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Ah, doesn't that sound like that's a place that's on fire? I'm telling you, that's it. Verse 32, we'll read it again. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Let's put a different word to that, because I'll tell you what, when there's spirit filled people and spirit filled churches, there's no question that they are unified. That's something that literally when we're in the spirits, when you're filled, there's something about that that brings unity. Now what brings unity? Let's, let's, let's walk this backward. I'm not going to take notes on it, but let's, take, let's walk it backwards. What brings unity? Love, right? When you have love in a place such as this or somewhere else, love creates unity. Where does love come from? How do you have love? From humility, from humility, right? Because I'll tell you, the opposite of love is pride. And you, would, you, would have, you might have said the opposite of love is hate. What is synonymous with hate? Pride. Now, I want to keep this, if you can imagine, I'm going to put, should I do this now or should I do it later? I'm going to keep you wanting. To, I'm, I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> so you have unity, which comes from love. Love comes from humility. Where do you get humility? Well, studying the world? No, 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 no. A thousand times no, right? Where do you find, why do you have this? uh... And here, by the way, let's see what happens. Oh, Paul, I'm telling you, I'm so glad I finally got humble. (laughs) That didn't work out, did it? Because as soon as I stated it, it's gone. Now, it doesn't have to be stated in your mind, if I would have said, in my head, right, Boy, I'm sure a lot more humble than Paul is, right? you got to read books. So. <laughs> yeah, you can read books about humbleness, right? Yeah. Or If you if you read enough books, you get humble. If you have the right degree, you get humble. No, it doesn't work that way, does it? In fact, that's the furthest thing from it. What is the definition of humility? Now, see, some would think that it's to think less of yourself. In other words, you, you beat yourself up, and you're, you're just this downtrodden, beaten person. No, you're still thinking about self at that point. You know people like that. Oh, you know, I'm just a loser. You know, I'm just, but it's all about me yet. See, that's still not humbleness. That's pride in a different, it's in a degraded way, but it's still pride because you're thinking about yourself. No, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself at all. Isn't that exactly what we're seeing when you're in one accord? In unity, in mind, in heart, and soul? You're not thinking about yourself, because I'll tell you what, tell me what the opposite of a Spirit-filled person is. And this is exactly our lesson as we're unfolding it today. We have a Spirit-filled church in verses 32 through the end of chapter 4. And did you see how chapter 5 started? The first word, read it, please. What's the first word? You know you're in for trouble. But. (laughs) It's going great. But. That sounds like ranching. (laughs) Great, bright, but, right? It's a lot like life, isn't it? It's going along, but you can see this whole spirit-filled agenda is about to explode. And I, it's, it's going to bug me because it's going to bug you. I have to move spirit-filled to this side because there's an opposite. And it's exactly what takes place in verses 1 through 12. So with your, I'm going to move it from spirit-filled which is still spirit filled. Let's go to the left side of the board. All right. The people that are listening by, on the podcast are going to struggle with this for a moment. Spirit filled. But as you said, the opposite of spirit filled is self filled. Now, you probably haven't heard it exactly that way, but that's exactly what it is. You're either spirit filled or you're self filled. Guess what? A characteristic would be of a self-filled church. And by the way, you're right. It is pride. And you know what pride does? Divides. Doesn't it? Because I'm better than you. Right? Or depending on how you want to look, I'm worse than you. Right? Both of those are... And it's sometimes hard to pick that off the floor, and there was a little bit of a pun there, but it's just as much about self, whether you're self-deprecating or you're self-grandizing, right? It's all the same. It's all about me. Boy, do you see the work that's taking place? I mean, this is a place now, Let's let's keep this in mind. Our little gathering here, um, think of it you know it's a small scale I, and I like a small church because I can just be right here right with you right you put me up on a on a deck or a pulpit I call it a deck the, pulp, the you know the one that's got a platform I'm lost I want to get down there to the people I want to talk I want to be in them right if there's a large group it's just not the same I like a small group but think of how many people were gathered and did you see it again in chapter 5 where we ended they're still around this place, Solomon's Porch, the portico. It's a huge place. Boy, it's big. It needs to be. At this point, after what's going to take place in chapter 5, I even got there, we're probably approaching twenty to 30,000 people. And they're meeting in the temple. Don't miss that. How are the leaders of the temple seeing Jesus as an enemy. You're doing business as a church with unity inside a place that's crucified Jesus Christ. Now, he wasn't crucified in there, but the leaders are the ones that took him out to the Romans and said, kill him, crucify him. Are you getting it? Are you seeing how popular you would be at work? There's no Joe, right? Hey, Joe, uh, how's it going? So, I went to the temple the other day. They were uh, kind of gathering up with those Christians. Whoa, what a deal. What are you doing, buddy? What are you thinking? Ah, uh, <laughs> right? Don't miss these things. Why do you think they were caring and sharing about one another, which it speaks of in several places? Chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter 5. We'll see that in a moment. Because they probably got ostracized. They got excommunicated. This isn't popular in downtown Jerusalem. That's why they took a stand. You, you today, it's not as big a deal, but you'll have to take a stand, and you're going to find that it's more so as time goes on. That line in the sand is, do I obey God or I do I obey men? There are laws being written today across the states, even at a national level, that really defy us from speaking or saying the Word of God in its full, fluent fashion. There will be lines that are drawn, and they're pretty close. I I can see them approaching where I'm going to have to, for me to stand in front of you, I will have to make a decision. And for me, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and He is who He says He is, and the Bible is what it says it is, it's pretty easy. I'm not going to say the results will be fun, the consequences, but the decision is not hard, because it's true. These disciples, the apostles, I should call them apostles and the disciples, literally for them, they took their stand. They're in, they're in, right? We're in. And they're unified. And let's take a look, let's keep tuning on, on verse 32. And those of you that are sitting here and know me, you're saying, how is he going to get through chapter 5, verse 14? We haven't even got through the first half of the first verse. No guarantees. <laughs> Look at this. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that out of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great power. And great grace fell upon them all. Literally, those are two things that any church... To have great grace, and that is to have unmerited favor from God. There's two things that are listed in in those verses that are just as important today. And that is literally to be unified, a spirit-filled church, a church that is willing to care and to share for those that are there. Oh, that's pretty good. Care, share for there, right? Care and share there. That's pretty good. But there's another part. Did you see it? The apostles did not back off at all on the message. That's simple too today, isn't it? As the pressure comes, you're supposed to back off. That's not what they did. In fact, did you see what they talked about? They talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That would have been like spitting in a high priest's face. That was the one thing they couldn't handle. At least he's dead. No, No, it's better than that. You have to die before you can be rose again. And that's what Jesus did. In evangelism, evangelistic outreach with a unified, sharing, caring church, God's grace will literally be part of that place because it shows that you're spirit-filled. Man, what a place, huh? Now, now there's some that have said this is a picture of communism. I saw everybody had stuff in common. There's a big difference. You did it Voluntarily. It was your choice what God laid on your heart when there was a need. In fact, it's even deeper than that. It wasn't like picking and choosing your, your projects. Uh, they list an individual. We're going we're to go through this. And they literally list a person of which you see the caring and sharing in his life. And he sold a property, and he laid the proceeds, all of them. That's key. I want to make sure we understand that. That's a problem later on. But, that's part of the but. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and literally said... You use those where God wants you to use those. Isn't that beautiful? That's caring and sharing based on unity, which comes from love, which comes from humility. And when we look at our relationship with God and I see what Jesus Christ died for me, a sinner, full-fledged sinner, I can do nothing but yield to him in humility. See how it all ties together? That's the picture. This guy's name was Barnabas. That's what we know him as. But his real name, what if I said, you know, would you guys, let's talk about Joseph or Joseph. That would be his common name, Joseph. And where does your mind go? Poof! You're Jesus' stepdad, right? Joseph. This guy's name was Joseph. Barnabas. Why do you know him as Barnabas? Because Barnabas means son of encouragement. (laughs) He was so known for his encouraging behavior, his, his, his uplifting, his exhortation, that was, became his nickname, if you will. He went from Joseph's legal name to Barnabas. I want to be around that guy, right? I want to be around that guy. Now, it also says a couple other things, which I don't understand the full concept or, or what's going on. But it says that he was a Levite, which makes him obviously a Levite, but the, of the priestly line. Um, now I don't know if you know this or not, but it said that he sold a piece of property, a piece of land. Okay, if you're a Levite in the land of Israel, the way it was designed through all of the early the Old Testament, guess what? If you were a Levite, you didn't go own any land, right? I mean, that was just part. You didn't. You re- really relied and re- and rested on God, literally. I, I should say God on uh, theoretically, but it was the people that brought for your subsistence, okay? So you were depending on God, the people to do their thing. Now, either a couple of things. Now, it also says he's from Cyprus, okay? Which obviously would be an island off, you know, it's not part of Israel. So he could certainly own land in Cyprus. So did he have land in Cyprus and he sold it there? It's a possibility. I don't know the time frame here, but the chances of the way communication would work, you know, you don't get to just get on your cell phone, and Tex, hey, I'd like to sell that property on the corner of Avenue A and Street B, right? It's probably not. I mean, if you sh- if you sailed there, it would take a fair amount of time. I'm not saying it's not Cyprus, but I'm just saying that would be the only place legally it could have been, or probably more than likely, is the fact of what had happened to everything else in Israel is it had just fallen apart. You could do anything you want to do, literally. If you have the right amount of money, you have the right position. But the bottom line is, is he took property that he had and sold it and took all of the proceeds and placed them in the apostles' feet. Now, we also know he's mentioned numerous times in Acts. He's a fun guy to be You would want to have him here right now. If he was here, I would want him to speak to us because he had a gift of encouragement. He was that guy could raise you up, literally, in Jesus Christ. You remember they were on a missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas, and they took a guy, a young man by the name of John Mark with them, right? John Mark was he was a youngster, shall we say, and wasn't probably ready for the travels that they found themselves engaged in. This is life and death in a numerous Kate. And finally, somewhere along the journey, guess what John Mark says? I'm out of here. Right? And he goes home. He just deserts and leaves. So here comes the next missionary journey. Barnabas says, because that's who he is, he's Mr. Encouragement, sees the good in everybody. You want him around you, don't you? You do. And he says, let's take John Mark with us. Paul, being the realist, says, what are you, nuts? <laughs> he left us last time high and dry. No, we're not doing that. Barnabas says, Paul, how are we, we going to get this guy mature? How are we going to get him going? How are we, we going to grow him in the Lord? Now, these are I'm paraphrasing, but the point of the matter is, they went back and forth to where it was such a division, we have two missionary teams. Now, there's an interesting thing where division led to explosion. God used very heartfelt, dedicated, I'm just going to say it, convictions. Both felt strongly. Guess what happened to John Mark? Barnabas makes a missionary journey with him. (laughs) And he turns into such a cool guy that that Paul on his deathbed—he doesn't know it's his death—but at the very end says, "Hey, tell John, Mark, he's really good." How do you think that happened? See, that's God using us in our different steps of journeys, putting our arms around people that need to be encouraged and lifted up. I had a young man that—I don't know why this popped in my mind. Anyway, I've learned it long enough ago that when it's there, you, you, you say it. I'll just be brief, though. There was a young man that worked for us uh, this winter. Leave him unnamed because we had enough of them work for us that you don't know who it is. Okay, just trust me on that. But this guy in his last week, we kind of determined the time in which he would be stepping away and going on to to another job. Of the last seven days that he was to be here, five of them, he never showed up at all. No call, nothing. Now, if you want to get me fired up, sort of, that'll get her done. But you know what? Now, this is the part that was interesting. Is I, was, I said, hey, so it's, you know, it's, it's done, it's gone, it's over, just whatever, s'ra, s'ra. I mean, I can't, right? You just move on. And I ended up talking to a guy that is hooked up with a seed business, salesman. And I, I just shared, I don't know why, I don't know why we were talking, we're not talking about this. I'm just talking, you know, I, I got a young man. I mean, I'm just, ah. And he says this to me. He said, Larry, i tell you what he said. I think five minutes of your life is worth it. We're, we're believers in Christ, both this guy and, and me, right? He says, I think it would be worth your investment. He said, let me tell you a story. I, I came out of college with an agronomy degree and I thought I was somebody. I knew it all. I'd just finished a report, handed it in and these two gentlemen just about beat me in my office, closed the door and they said, young man, you are headed for a wreck. If you don't shape up, if you don't get your act together, this will be very short lived, and I don't know where you're going to end up. And he said, some, he said, but you know what? I would like—I don't know where those two guys are right now. I want to give them a hug because they changed my life. They said tough things. They said true things that needed to be done. Uh, I said, okay, thank you, God. <laughs> so, I, so that's you know, I'm okay. That that's mission on right. So I'll, I'll cut through all this other stuff, but this young man was just trying to get out of my way, too. He just, you know, he wanted to get his check, and he wanted to move on. I, I said, no, I said, I want to talk to you. I apologize for it. So he already knows he's in trouble, right? Sort of, right? I said, no, 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 no. I'm going to face-to-face, just visit. Well, I don't know when I can get back there. I, don't, you know, I said, no problem. You live in Dillon? I'll meet you in Dillon. Okay, because <laughs> now it's come down to either I get the check or I don't get the check. That's how, that's how I made it sick. So, so we finally, we meet, okay? And he's apologetic out of, I said, no, just, just stop for a second. By the way, here's your check. I'm here because I really love you. I said, you don't know that, that's a big word, but I'm here because I care about you. And what you've done is to be absent for five out of the last seven days. That's not acceptable. Now, it may be in places in the world, but it's not acceptable. You will go nowhere in life with that kind of a, a, a scenario. Then again, I said, no, no, just stop. I'm here because I really do care about you, and I want you to be successful. I said, tell me about your goals. Tell me about what your passion is. And then about 15 or 20 minutes. He just lets his hair down, and he goes and just shares this stuff. What he, this is what he sees in his head. Right? Good stuff. And he mentioned that he was going to have to, there was like four or five guys that he was going to be handling in this business of which he was going back to. I said, question, what are you going to do with one of those that doesn't show up for five out of the last seven of their days? it's like the lights went on. I said, that's why I have you here because you have to do the right thing all the time. And I, I have this thing, but I, I tell my, I, I think my kids know it. I think it didn't happen all that long ago. It was in Oklahoma in a truck, and someone asked me, well, how do you know what to do? And I just, boom, pops out of my mouth. It's always the right time to do the right thing. Ladies and gentlemen, if this nation, as individuals, took that to heart, this thing would change overnight. But too often, just like this young man, just... Doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. And I asked him some tough questions. I did. I t- asked, and he said, no, 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 no. I said, okay, but here's the deal. I said, I think there's a tremendous future for you in what you're doing. You have a passion it's there, but you're going to have to bring your game. You're going to have to be everything and beyond of what you think you can give. But I'm here to say that you can do it because you've got the thing that's within you from God, and he's given you a passion. And I said, I'm sorry to have taken your time, but it was necessary for me to invest in your life. And I get up to go, I'm going to shake his hand, and he's, he wants a hug. He's a 20-year-old that wants a hug. I don't know where he's going, but I called, so I called Nate, my friend. This is like a couple weeks later. I said, Nate, I said, I got to report back because you're the one that got me in. And he said, that was great, Larry. That was all God. Now, God's got to do the work, but my point is, is see, somewhere in your journey in this week or two weeks or two months whatever it is there's someone like that names will change faces will change but God uses you to encourage and that's who Barnabas was that took longer than I thought but that's why I would want Barnabas in this room because that's what he was known for he could look a situation in the eye and say there's really good here let's work on the good isn't that right wouldn't you want to be part of this church? This is crazy, right? They're not only unified, but you can tell if you remember. Now, I'm going to go back in your memories. Last week, we looked at the Supreme Court. Okay? They've got these two guys standing in the middle of them, and they wanted to thrash them. They wanted to beat them. They wanted to throw them out of Jerusalem. And you know what? They didn't. Why? Do you remember? Why, Why didn't they? Because of the fear of the people. You know what happens to a spirit filled church? Is, I'm going to tell you something, it's going to be magnified in the community now they may not agree with you you may not get saved but the point of the matter is is it can find no fault if you're spirit filled because if you're unified because there's love being spread to the community and it's based on humility how do you argue with that how do you argue with that you can't you can't now now what happens when we're magnified or we're held in highest literally amongst our peers who gets glorified god does that's what it says. God was glorified in all of this that was done, even in the persecution. You, you, do you see what I'm, did you see what I just did? I stepped you into persecution last week. We said it was a trial. Trials strengthen you. They mature you. They make you bigger and better. That's what a, tri- that's what a trial does. That's what persecution does. And you know who is glorified in a trial? Now, I'm telling you, you did not sign up for trials this morning. You say, oh, God, bring me more trials today. I can't wait for more trials. They'll come, won't they? They'll come, and you know what? At the end of all of those, guess what? You get the blessing, God gets the glory. That's exactly what's happened in this church. There's one more thing that's had taken place, and that is you cannot walk away from that. When Satan put on that persecution, guess what? More men and women got saved. This place, this church was multiplied. It was multiplied. Unified, magnified, multiplied—those are three distinct characteristics of a spirit-filled church. That's one I want to be in. Chapter five starts out, but. <laughs> Have you ever had? Is your life kind of like that? You're on this victory lane and it's fantastic, and then, but, right? And you're laughing because that's the way it works, isn't it? Get ready. In fact, that's one of the things that actually happened to David very quietly. See, Satan could not never get David head on. David, oh, he was a man after God's own heart, it says. That would be something that I would very much have God say about me. I'm not worthy of it, by the way, at all. But wouldn't that be the ultimate in the sense of he was a man after God's own heart. She was a woman after God's own heart. Isn't that, that's as good as it gets. But guess what he did, Satan? He used an opportune time after a victory in David's life. David should have been back to war. It was the springtime. He was, it says it even in the scriptures. It was time for him to go back and do battle for God. But he stayed home and he sent off what was his, what was his gen, Joab, right? Yeah, Joab. He sent Joab, his, his general. He sends him off of the army and he stays home and he's relaxing and he's resting well, maybe not resting as much as he was looking from the rooftop. Bathsheba comes into his life. By the time that event's over, he's committed adultery, he's committed murder, and he's lost the trust of his nation. Guess who he was, which side of the equation would we be on? It's a lot of self going on, isn't it? Satan loves to drive you into self. Every sin you'll ever commit is the fact that Satan has shown you something. You deserve that. You really need that. You've earned that. I can't believe God didn't give that to you, right? In every sin, you will find that. And you know what? behind this? is it's a sense of pride again. It's that self-exaltation. That's just how it works. So David, when not doing what God told him to do, behind the scenes, oh, Satan's slick, isn't he? He's a slick rascal. You'll see it here now. Persecution totally backfired on him. The church has exploded. It was like Utah and whatever on, on Satan's face. He's got it on his face right now, buddy. It's... What, what, what went wrong? The Sanhedrin has just been told about Jesus Christ rising from the dead. You couldn't even make that stuff up. And then the church grows and multiplies. And I, and I, I tried to, right? That's got to work. For in all things, God works together to good that love God and are called according to His purposes. God's in charge. Make no mistake. He uses all of these things. Now, keep in mind... People are responsible for their decisions, for their choices, but God can use those. In fact, Ananias and Sapphira, did God make them, keep part of that back? Of course not. But He used that situation to literally purify the church. But chapter 5 verse 1, something's going to change, we're unified, people are magnified in the eyes of the community because God is being glorified and they're multiplying. Ah, that's as good as it gets. But now, keep in mind, who's our, who's our man of encouragement? How encouraging must that have been before the church? And I, I'm sure as he laid those proceeds from that full sale in front of the apostles' feet, just knowing, just knowing Barnabas, he says, just think of the stuff we can get done now. Look, at there's people over there. I know they need something, but that's up to you. The apostles, you know what's going on here. You just keep preaching the word, and their needs are going to be met. This is going to be so good to see how God's working in our community. That's, who he, that's what he would have said, right? And Ananias and Sapphira were sitting in the front row because there's nobody here, right? <laughs> Except for Paul, and he was only good enough. <laughs> Point taken that they're sitting right here. And there's, whoa, that's pretty cool. I kind of like that idea. So they go home and have a Sunday dinner. Honey, Sapphira. Now, her name means beautiful, by the way. There's an ugly deed about to be done, but her name means beautiful. Do you know what uh, Ananias means? I've got to look it up. I wrote it down. Just a second. Nobody's going to guess? Nobody? What's that? And that would, be a, that would be a logical conclusion. Now, here's what's going to blow your mind. Ananias means, are you ready? The Lord is gracious. And his wife's name is Beautiful. This should be a life destined for wonder, right? But as Terry's pointed out, literally their lives have depicted something that isn't beautiful. It's not gracious, right? It's amazing how Satan can get into into lives, right? And we'll see that in a moment. Meanwhile, back at the house eating Sunday dinner, now, this is Larry's paraphrase. I, I understand that, but somewhere a decision that takes that takes root in your mind to make a decision must have had time in making it. And if you doubt that, go to James chapter 1 and read through that. For no temptation has taken man, but it has taken man that is common to them. I mean, you just read that whole section, and you'll find that there's a process. And you know what? There was something that took place. All of a sudden, self began to generate. And Sapphira Honey, wouldn't you? think it'd be fantastic. We got that one property down the road. We could sell that, and we you know we could use a little of the cash. But as long as we you know we lay it at the apostles' feet, I mean we're going to look pretty good. In fact, you know haven't you always wanted to be the church secretary? Right? I'm kind of I'm kind of going for that. I'm going to I'm not an apostle. I get that, but I could probably slip into the leadership position. Don't think I'm crazy, people. You are looking. like You are cra- no, I'm not because self has no ends, right? I was asking a question from a young man that I mentored. Not very often, but once a month probably we sit down and we meet. He asked me a question which I haven't answered him because I asked him. I called him up and I said, what do you want me to, what do you want to talk about? What do you want me to send you? He said, Larry, I said, I think about it this way. If you had one hour left in your life for us young guys, what would you tell us? I said, I have no idea. So I'm working on that. I still haven't got back to him. I'm working on that. But the one thing I would tell them its part of this one hour is you'll never, ever overestimate the power of self. And I mean in a bad way. It will eat your life up. It will let you miss everything that's important to God. It will let you miss everything that's good for others. That would be part of that hour. It wouldn't take very long, probably. But isn't that a great question? That's a great question coming from someone that's 20-something. So my question back was... Tell me, what is it there's something you really desire to know about God? He couldn't answer me either. So this is gonna be good, isn't it? Isn't that interesting how God works? This was part of just even preparing today. The depths of self are almost unknown. Here you have, and I believe that Ananias and Sapphira were in fact believers, because I can go through that scriptures in chapters two, three, and four. These are not fabricated imitators. It says all that believed. Does that mean believers can lose their lives? Absolutely. I'll take a description and show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you unworthily eat of the communion table where you have sin in your life and you don't care about it, God very clearly, there were people that were sick and those that were literally taken, they were sleeping. That means dead. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it talks about there's a sin unto death. That's, that's a point where God says, that's fine, that's enough. I'm going to take you home. But Ananias and Sapphira, do you see how deadly this could have been if they would have gotten away with this? Now, the real sin is not the fact that they stole money from God. Don't, don't, go, don't go away from this place saying, you know what? Well, Ananias and Sapphira, if they've just given all the money. No, no, that's not, that's not, what, that's not why they're dead. No, that's not it. What was it? They lied, right? Literally, in the bottom line, how many times have you had someone that you've invited to church or some, some type of an event where Jesus would be preached, and they said, oh, I don't, you know, that's just a, that place is just full of hypocrites. Have you heard that? Sure you have. I mean, that's just the way it is. And I'm, my, my response anymore is, so every single rodeo that you've ever went to, everybody there is legitimate, and there's no hypocrites, there's nobody wearing a cowboy hat or boots or spurs that shouldn't be. And we're laughing because it's the same deal. Humans are hypocrites. That's what it is. What is a hypocrite? Showing something you're not. It's literally, for for this instance I wrote down, literally these people, Ananias and Sapphira, lost their lives. God judged them with their lives because they lied to God. They lied to the Holy Spirit. But literally hypocrisy is living a lie. Right? That's what it is. They were living a lie. They presented what was supposed to be all of the funds of this property sale. Did anybody force them to sell the property? No. Did anybody tell them that they couldn't have said, this is what we right now feel God has shown us through our hearts, this is half of the purchase price. They don't even have to say that. This is a portion of the purchase price, and we have retained, we have kept some of that. Ananias and Sapphira would continue to have been in that church. But they were hypocritic, saying they had sold it and brought all of the proceeds. And God said, not now. That's not going to happen. You will give up your lives for that because it's too big a deal. How many of you have heard of the man Achan, A-C-H-A-N? I'll just write it for those A-C-H-A-N. Anybody heard of him? Um, do we, are you guys okay with finding him? Because it's interesting how God deals very directly at a beginning of a dispensation. This beginning of the church. He wants to make sure that purity is intact. <clears throat> okay? Because, you know, if you're here today and you're saying, wait a minute. Uh, did you, Larry, I want to make sure I understood that. Um, they, they, God judged them because they, were, they had hypocrisy in their life. They were living a lie. I would have to say on a small scale, at least, every single one of us in this room, to some degree, would have to be honest. If you're not, by the way, lying is, oh, that's hypocrisy. Did you see where I'm going with this? It's amazing how we could have fell into that. Okay? But think about the earnestness of the beginning of a brand new church. And if these two people would have been elevated into a level, who did we say was the personal example of this? Barnabas. You will find Barnabas scattered through the entire book of Acts, and he made a huge difference. Now, there was fruit in his life. Don't miss that. There was fruit there. But the point of the matter is, these two wanted to be just like in form, in face, as Barnabas. You know what? There's no room for that. There's no room for that. And God said, no. Now, it's interesting. Of course, that was not announced. These are the sins that are the worst, are the ones that are unnoticed, unknown, right? Those are the ones. And Peter was given inspiration, given perception from the Holy Spirit. He knew exactly what was going on. Not, not Peter wouldn't have looked at the books. Don't, don't, don't go where you don't need to go. Literally, the Holy Spirit said, these people are lying. And he asked them and bold face lied. Just look at what that little conversation started with. They watched Barnabas deliver all of his proceeds, and they wanted all of the glory and to diminish God in the meantime. I think enough of you said you didn't know about Achan. Let's go to Joshua 7. I want to show you something as you're turning to Joshua 7. It's interesting, it's very close to, the, to a similar situation. It's the beginning of a new time frame. It would be the beginning when Joshua was now. Remember, who was who Joshua's predecessor? Moses. Moses. What do you know about Moses? He was, he was, he was cool, wasn't he? In fact, he was said he was one of the meekest men on the world, right? Apart from Jesus Christ he might have been number two for meekness. What is meekness? Uh, everybody in the United States to think it means weakness. No, a thousand times no. Jesus Christ was the most meek, and I'll tell you what, he was the most powerful individual that's ever walked the face of this earth. He had more power than you can even imagine, but it was always under control. That's the difference with the meekness it's power under control. That's what Moses exhibited. Now, if you were Joshua, you were a lieutenant to Moses, and Moses, God, really takes, he takes him away. doesn't have a funeral. Well, he had a few, but there's no body. Okay, gone. Can you imagine what the Israelites would have done with that body? They would have worshipped it for the end of eternity, right? So he took it away. Number two man was a man by the name of Joshua, which is Hebrew for Jesus. Something's going to happen here, isn't it? And God appears to him. He says, take courage, be strong and a very strong mind, and follow my word, and I'm going to lead you into the promised land. Good deal. Fantastic. Do you feel a little intimidated? How about if you were gonna take follow into Moses' shoes? Right. Right? So they get going and they have they have a victory. They have a victory in Jericho. Oh, wait a minute. That didn't work out so well, did it? They're crossing the Jordan. And they do have a victory at Jericho, and guess how they had a victory at Jericho? How did it go? they followed God's orders. Now, here's this, here's this impregnable city. It's got, a for, it's got a fortress around it. How would you take it on militarily? I don't know, but you wouldn't do it the way they did it. God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. You walk around the city and then the seventh day, that's every day, and then you walk around it seven times and you blow a horn and the, <laughs> and the walls will fall down. Who's with me on this one? <laughs> now let's just say you're the common guy that's just following Joshua. Where's Moses? Where's Moses? Where, where do you, what military manual did you read that out of? <laughs> that's what God told me. Really? Did you eat pizza last night? I mean, what's going on here? Is this indigestion? But you know what? As hard as it is sometimes to follow God, when you know it's His will, you just follow it. So what happens? Fantastic victory. In fact, this is really cool. This is stuff I want to know because I'm I'm not an archaeological guy, but I want to know what archaeological remnants show of this. Now, what would be the thing that would happen is the walls, if you were fighting from the outside, you you would conquer it by the walls caving in. Do you know what that thing showed when they excavated it? The walls fell out. I think God's at work. Why would they push the walls? Well, they wouldn't, right? Isn't the guy, he's so cool in how he puts stuff together, okay? But now, now can you imagine the height and the enthusiasm in the camp of Israel today? I mean, this is a wipeout. This is fantastic. First victory, who? right? Let's go. Let's keep moving. Next place is called Ai. Okay, and it's just a little spot. Jericho, that was a, that was a battle, right? That was a big deal. AI is just this little thing. In fact, I want to make sure you get there. Have you ever done that? I remember in just uh, Little League Baseball, we were the champions of our district, and we went to play Woodworth. You guys know is in North Dakota, and they were the worst in their division. So the best us, right, us, we went to play the worst, and we got to have this con- we weren't even on the way over. Remember, we're just little, these little guys. It's amazing how self can get pretty important at a really small age. We were concerned about not using up our pitcher inning. We had a really good pitcher. But we didn't want to burn him on this game because we'd need him for the championship game. <laughs> we got beaten 12 to 1 by the worst team from the other district. It was, now you want to talk about it being not self humiliating, it was literally earned. That was a long trip home. That's pretty much what's going to happen right here as we unfold this. Let's go to Joshua chapter 7. It came, the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan. There's our guy, Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now, I'm going to have fill in some blanks. You guys can do your, your Sunday afternoon reading. But in chapter 6, you'll find that one of the, one of the prerequisites was don't take anything from Jericho for yourselves. Joshua told all of don't. this is God's, this is number one, this is his stuff. Don't take anything. Well, Achan got a little bit of self going on, and guess what? He stole some stuff. He went, and what did he do? What do you do when you sin? You hide. Just ask a six-year-old that's done something his mother or father told him not to do, he or her. I don't want to make this sexist. A, a female can sin as well, right? So anyway, you would, well, you would hide what you're doing, Right? Mommy, I sinned. No, they don't do that, do they? (laughs) Same thing. Achan, he's hiding the stuff. Stuff he can't even use now. He can't even look at it. Joshua sent the men from Jericho to Ai. Verse 2, which is beside Beth Haven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. They returned to Joshua and said unto them, let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people labor thither, for they are but a few. Are you getting confidence, a little bit of overconfidence going on? Let's just take two or three thousand guys and we'll wipe that place out. Let's not you know, let the other guys eat their lunch. I mean, this is not a big deal. So they went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, and they chased them from the gate from Cherbaram. And smote them into the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until even eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou this, uh, all this brought this people of the Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God that we'd been content and dwelt in this. Isn't that something how it works? Have you ever run into a defeat? You've hit a wall and you, wanna, you just want to run away. You just want to go back. I was better off where I was at, Right? Who do you think's in charge of that? That's Satan at work. Exactly. Oh, you're defeated. You better go out. Get out. Get out of here. You know how he did it? He took one man by the name of Achan. He filled him with self, and he destroyed the whole army's sense of go get it done. I'm going to spare it. We, we got to keep moving. We got to get to Acts. But if you read the rest, have I, have I whet your appetite? Mm-hmm. Hoping. Okay. So ultimately, Achan. Are you ready? God's single. Now, this is just. Did you get this? This is battle number two going into Jordan or into the promised land. This is important dispensation. You must be pure going into this land, right? So, Achan's the guy that stole the stuff, hid it, and God goes through the entire population, tribe by tribe, by family, by person. And he finds that man as being guilty of what had happened. And he was killed because of self. This fits Ananias' profile perfectly. He had wanted to thwart what God had prepared. It's a perfect example. Let's go back, but we've got to keep moving. Acts chapter, now here's a question. How many of you are actually going to finish reading Joshua 7 this afternoon? Seeing no hands, it was not a question that I responded to that way. (laughs) Let's keep going. Let's go back to Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira's wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. Very clearly, very clearly, and his wife was made privy or knew about it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostle's feet. In other words, if you've heard of this saying, you can have your cake and eat it too. Okay, that probably came something from that nature of, yeah, honey, we can just we'll give a part, we keep a part. Who will know? God knew. God knew. Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not your own? You didn't you weren't forced to sell it. After it was sold, was it not in your own power? I mean you could have kept what you wanted, or some of it, or none of it, or why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Now that's interesting. If you go to James chapter one, you'll just see how sin happens. It's like Satan is You'll throw a hook, and there's a bait on it. And with our own human heart, there's a sense of a lusting of that. They wanted that pride, that recognition. They wanted the glory for themselves, and still have a part of the money they could go down to—I don't know where they go—Costco, dollar carts. I don't know, right? But the point of the matter is, they literally wanted everything for themselves. Oh, that must be a new concept. Stuff like that—you're laughing because it's not. It's the same old deal. While it remained, and then it goes on, Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Now, did you see something? This is one of those passages of Scripture, very parenthetically, but did you see that the Holy Spirit equals God? They lied to the Holy Ghost in verse which four, verse verse which, which, which was it? 3. And in verse 4, it says, You've lied to God. Holy Spirit and God are equal. Let's keep going. And Ananias, hearing these things, these words fell down, gave up the ghost, and greater fear came on them that heard these things. I'll bet it did. How would have you liked to have been present? Uh, really? Uh, was was it? What? In fact, verse six: the young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. It was about a space of three hours. Stop for a moment. Whew. That's wowzers! This guy comes in. Peter confronts him. He's dead. The young men go out and dig a grave. There was no embalming, none of that. And in three hours, they're finished. His wife doesn't know he's dead, let alone he's buried. And in she comes. You know, you know why, ladies? She didn't have her hair done. <laughs> Nobody's going to shoot me. <laughs> That's deep trouble. I'm, that's where I'm going to hide back here. So she was getting ready. Okay, took her three hours. And his wife, not knowing what was done, came in, and Peter answered unto her, "Tell me whether you sold the land for so much." And he's, you know, he's giving her every opportunity to think of it now. Do you see this? She didn't have to die that day. So it's a thousand bucks. I make just, just you know, I like to put numbers of things so that works. Um, did you? you got got $1,000. Is this all of this? Is all the $1,000, is that all of it? Sure is. Oof. The same men that just buried her husband, pick her up and go out and bury her beside her husband. Whoa. Now, remember it was at the end of chapter 4. There was great power, remember? They were preaching the resurrection of Jesus in great power and great power. Grace fell upon them all. Guess what happens? There's another great coming on board. Great fear. <laughs> you better believe it. How about the next people that says, boy, I'd like to be like Barnabas. And, you know, so, uh, maybe not that way. You know what would happen to a place of which God had destined to make it pure at its inception? There would be a whole lot of soul searching. You're gonna do a whole lot of thinking about what's right, what's wrong. That would have been an example that would have lasted. Well, it's working on me. I'm reading it again, right? Hypocrisy. There's some in my life. Could ask my kids, right? They'd know. It's amazing your family knows stuff. They can see stuff, right? None of us are perfect. But what when you're literally looking to take the glory of God. That's what they were doing. Serious consequences. Serious consequences. Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt, pushing on the Spirit of God? Remember that what is it? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God? How far are you going to push him? Are you daring him? That's about what Achan did. Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Now, what if you would have been those guys? Those young guys, right? (laughs) You know, for three hours they went out and they've dug a hole and they've placed them in it and they've covered a hole and they're coming back. And, Guys, can you believe this? Oh, uh, you got another one. <laughs> Barry Herbicide is her husband. Right? Boy, I'll tell you what, it would have been a solemn place. A solemn place. The glory belongs to God and God alone. Verse 11, and great fear came upon the, all the church and upon as many as heard these things. What's going to happen to the church? I'm not going to that place. That's crazy. Those people, did you, did you, see, did you hear about that? It was, it was on the radio yesterday. So, I mean, they gave part of the, and, and they're dead. I don't want any part of that thing. Let's read verse 12. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord. Guess where? Solomon's porch, right there. And of the rest, durst no man joined himself to them, but the people magnified them. Okay? And believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. Did you see this? Spirit-filled equals a unified, a magnified, and a multiplied church. Now, I'm gonna, I, wanna, I want to, you to see, now, this is the second time Satan has taken on God with the beginning of the church. Let's just refer, let's rehearse each and every time. Actually, the Scripture is pretty cool. I didn't see it until today. I don't know why I didn't, but literally after each episode, the beginning the first persecution, and now after the second one, which was an internal act. It was trying to get inside the church using hypocrisy to destroy because there's some things that are happening in a cell filled. Guess what Satan wants in a church? Is He certainly wants to degrade it in every way. And number three, what would be the opposite of increase is decrease. Now, think with me. I'm not going to name any churches because it's not worthy of that. It's not worth it. But as you look at churches that today are empty, they're empty, do you think they're spirit-filled or they're self-filled? That's our world today. Because in 50, 60, 70, whatever it is, the time frame, I should go back and find it, but there was a part at which we, we threw truth out, absolute truth. In other words, there's a truth that's true for all people in all places for all times. When we threw that out... Then it became, Paul could have his truth. Carl could have his truth. Peter could have his truth. And as long as you guys didn't hurt one another, whatever that means, it's okay. That was a day, if there was that day, that day was the day that literally this nation died. There is only truth. Period. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the, in front of every, definitively, and no man comes to the Father except by me. Now, there are those that say, well, that's pretty exclusive. There's other ways to get to God. I don't want to try them. I'm okay because God made the rules. God's God. Aren't you okay with that? That's exactly what happens in lives as well. When Satan fills your life, guess what happened to Adam the first time he sold self? That was the first, well, no, that's not true. Satan bought his biggest lie. He believed in himself that he could be like God. And he's headed to hell one day. And that's what he sells. He's a liar and a murderer. John chapter 8, verse 44. Division, degradation, and decreasing. Have you ever seen any so clear cut? Now the choices are up to us. Be filled with the Spirit. Each and every one that you've trusted Christ as Savior has the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse thirteen. It wasn't the Old Testament times like Saul? How would you like to have been Saul? He's king, and it says that the Spirit came upon him. Okay, and then he made bad decisions, and it says that the Spirit left him. What did that feel like, Samson? Right? Samson sold it all for immorality. He didn't even know the spear left him. He's going to get up as before, you know. Talk about getting close, right? It was just a little bit, you know, well, if you just weave my hair. <laughs> you know, but, right, think of that. That's too close, buddy. That's too, I would to have given something else, like cut my fingernails or something. I wouldn't have got him there, right? And then finally she saw his heart, right? He had given his heart to her. And taken it away from God. Self was fully in charge at that point. His demise and his disaster was right in front of him. It's the same for us today. The choices we make, will we be spirit-filled or will we be self-filled? Now, the world wants you to be self-filled. The whole system, the whole society. Satan drives self, Adam and Eve. That is probably the biggest crash of all time. They were not born holy they were born innocent and to walk with God in the afternoon sun I don't know if that had iced tea back then but I'm just thinking it was something like that right in the cool of the evening walking with God and then Satan said to Eve you deserve to eat of every tree I can't believe God would keep that from you what kind of God is that self got bigger And bigger. And you know, you know, I'm gonna come back to that 20 something young man. I'd have to say that one of the most important things I could tell him, or anyone, including myself, don't underestimate what self can do to you. It can destroy you. And it did, it destroyed the human race. And then the next day, (laughs) what did they do? What did they do? They hid. They went and got fig leaves and hid. And they never walked with God again in that. But I want, I want to, this is the last part, how God is so gracious and so loving. These are results of God's love and his grace. Adam must have went home that night and said to his wife, of course, what happened? When we're not sharing and caring and becoming unified, what do we do? We begin the blame game. Oh, Eve, what were you thinking? Oh, What? Why did you eat that Fuji apple? What's the deal? Now it's all your fault. Or we'd be, we'd be in good graces with God. No, 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 you wouldn't have it. How am I doing? That's the blame game, isn't it? But then he started in the middle of the night, wonder. You know, there's the tree of life in the center of the garden. If I could get there, I bet I can fix it all. See, self has a way of trying to fix things. Have you noticed that? <laughs> I got I can fix things. That's what guys are good at, especially the you know, sometimes wives come, they just want to talk about it. They don't want you to fix it, men. They want to talk about it. They just want to talk, right? Women, you're smiling because that's the way it is. Men want to fix stuff. Let me fix that. Right, buddy? You just want, we want to fix stuff. I want to do, I want to fix stuff. Sometimes women just want to talk. Adam's going to fix it. You know what would have happened to him if he would have come somehow got to the tree of life and snibbed that fruit? He would have been forever in a level of damnation because he would have been dead, living life, dead in sin. God's great, most gracious act was to remove them from the garden He put an angel with a flaming sword and said, you cannot come back in here in your present condition. I've got some other work that will have to be done through Jesus Christ that I chose before the foundation of the world. I'm going to have my son, who's God, the very God, literally will die for your sins. That humbles me. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who will you choose? Let's pray. Father God we just bow before you how many multiple times anyone else would have just started over, begun again. But the love that Jesus actually asked his disciples on the night that he spent the last one together, the last time that they partook in a supper together, he said, Love one another as I have loved you, and they will know you were one of mine. Father, may we leave this place with love in our hearts because of what you've done for us, the humility that is driven into my life in just these moments, because my relationship with you, Father, has been rejoined, regained. It's more than that. It's made new. It's to be justified, to be not guilty. Because of what Jesus Christ, he bore my sins on the cross of Calvary. Because of that, literally, I am free. I am innocent before you. I am justified. I am not guilty. Oh, what love. But, Father, we need your strength. We need the strength that comes from being spirit-filled. These men and women that are here today, Father, I would ask that you would particularly put your arm around them. They would not only feel your love, but they would feel the strength As it said, there was great power that the disciples shared the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That power of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. We need that in our lives. To just live this life. To take one step at a time. And as our journey goes along, Father, that we would remain to be spirit-filled. May we be unified. Because of the love and the humility that you've placed within us. This mind that was in Jesus Christ. That literally, Father, is what you're making us. You're making us more like Jesus every moment. That's your desire. What could be better than to say that we follow Jesus and we look like him? Father, we we just humbly bow at your feet. Lift us up in your strength. Speak to the world the gospel. Through us, in our lives, our speech, that you would be glorified. We thank you for all you've done in Christ's precious and holy name.